This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. If you're a loser, tune in and you'll be a winner. It's the Moranalytics Podcast. Talking Buffalo sports, Yankees, WWE, 80s music, and pop culture. And now, here's your host, Patrick Moran. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Moranalytics Podcast, episode number 61. Today is Friday, October 12, 2018. I am Patrick Moran. Coming up on today's show, I have an interview with Nick Filipowski, a sports reporter at WIVV-TV Channel 4 in Buffalo. Really interesting conversation. I get to know Nick. He comes from a military background, spent 10 years in Japan. I thought that was really interesting. I talked to him about that, going to Nebraska for college. Couple of jobs that he worked before moving to Buffalo in 2014, taking a job at Channel 7, ultimately ending up at Channel 4. I get his feelings on all that. We talk about Twitter, sports media, ask him a couple of Buffalo Bills questions, do the mini lightning round that I have with every sports media guest to end it. It's a good interview. You're going to like it. Immediately after that, following a couple of weeks off, Joe from New York City, Buffalo wins. He returns for another segment of The Running with Joe. Today, we're talking Buffalo Bills, more specifically, LaShawn McCoy, and if it's a good idea for the Bills to trade him, and if they did what they can expect to get. We also talk about Josh Allen and debate. Well, it's not really much of a debate, but we discuss, I should say, if we think it's better for Josh Allen's career right now, if he's playing as a rookie, even with the lack of talent around him, that's going to be beneficial to him in the long run, or perhaps he'd be better off learning on the sidelines so that he doesn't potentially fall into some bad habits that many people fear that he's already starting to fall into. So we discussed that Drew Brees and his place on the Mount Rushmore of all-time NFL quarterbacks, much more, all that coming up in a few. One other thing too, I did want to add at the end of this podcast, and I haven't done this before, this is different. Usually at the end of each podcast, I have my little spiel where I ask you, actually I kind of beg you to go subscribe to this podcast and to follow me on Twitter, stuff like that. I thank the people that are on the show. That's still the same. None of that has changed. But starting today, what I'm doing and what I'm going to do whenever I have the opportunity is I'm going to play some original music by, it doesn't have to necessarily be someone from Buffalo locally. Anyone who has original music out there that I enjoy, that I like, I'm going to start highlighting that. So at the very end of the show, I'm going to play a track from them, tell you a little bit about that person, where you can find them, where you can find their music, etc. Today, I feature Caitlin Cook, 
Caitlin's from Buffalo originally. Now she's living in Tennessee. A lot of people from Buffalo are going to recognize the name. She sung the national anthem at Buffalo Bills games many times. Over the last few years, she's been the headline singer for the downtown Buffalo New Year's Eve gala. That's always a big event, a big deal. She's a popular person. Of course, she was on X Factor the first season with Simon Cowell. So yeah, today at the end of this episode, I'm going to kick off a recurring series of playing original music. Today is Caitlin Cook. Song called Welcome Back. Really enjoy the song. I really like Caitlin a lot. You can go to our website, CaitlinCook.com. I'll put that in the show notes, of course. You can read her bio, check out some of her music, all kinds of information like that. Good, fun stuff. Very, very talented artist, Caitlin Cook. And if you're a musician out there and know of somebody, if it's your music, I can't do covers, but if it's your original music and you own that music, hit me up on Twitter at Pamoran Tweets or send me an email, Podcast at gmail.com. Let me know about it and I'll get you on the air, give you a little bit of free promotion, play a song of yours. And hopefully fans will go check your music out. So anyway, that's at the end of the podcast. Let's get down to today's business. Here's my interview with Channel 4's Nick Filipowski, followed immediately by The Running With Joe. Okay, my guest today is a sports reporter at WIVB TV Channel 4 in Buffalo. Previous to that, he was at Channel 7, and he's also a Nebraska Cornhusker alum. I'm talking about Nick Filipowski. What's up, Nick? How you doing, buddy? I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having me on. I'm doing great, man. And the pleasure is all mine having you on today. I like when I have my guests on to go all the way back to the beginning. So that's where we're going to go here. Now, I read that you come from a big military background. Where are you from, Nick? Yeah, I'm from all over. My dad uh, actually just retired after 36 years of the Navy in May as a two-star admiral. But I bounced around here, there, everywhere. He's originally from New Jersey. My mom's originally from Denver. Um, they ended up meeting each other at the University of Nebraska and just kind of bounced around my, my entire life for the most part and happy to call uh, Buffalo home now. <laughs> now, I'm sure you grew up loving sports. Well, who are a few of your favorite athletes and favorite teams as a kid? Bouncing around, obviously. Yeah, you know, for me, uh, I grew up in San Diego for a couple of years and I absolutely loved uh, Tony Gwynn. When he passed away, I was absolutely crushed. Um, I spent as a kid, you know, years and years and years collecting baseball cards and baseball cards. And, you know, when we finally moved back to the States, I lived in Japan for almost a decade. Oh, wow. When we moved back to the States, uh, my senior year of high school, I went on this mad quest to find his rookie card. And we found a card dealer, uh, in Maryland and he had just like an abundance of, I think I bought like four or five. Tony Gwynn rookie cards. That way I could, if, if something ever happened to one of them, I'd always have at least another one that I could fall back <laughs> on that I could always have. You mentioned Japan. What was Japan like? That's got to be wild living out there. I mean, it even was as so a great. kid. It was, it was literally the, if there's one place I could live the rest of my life and bring my family with me, it'd be Japan. The culture is amazing. The people are absolutely amazing. You know, ev- everything, you know, you, you read or you see about, living overseas uh, in Japan. I mean, that's, it is literally the best place I've ever lived. Did you play any sports as a kid? I did. I played baseball and then I tore up my shoulder my, uh, my junior year. And that was kind of it for me. Now you went to Nebraska for college. I ask all my guests the same question because it's interesting to me. Why did you decide to go to Nebraska and were there other schools that you considered going to, or that maybe you wanted to go to? 
Yeah. So with both my parents going to Nebraska, whenever my dad would get a new set of orders uh, for the military, we'd always drive across country and we'd always stop in Lincoln. And, you know, he, you know, my, he'd show me around town. My mom would, you know, walk us around town. Um, so I always kind of grew up around the history of Nebraska and the lore of Nebraska football. Um, and when it came time to make a decision for college, I mean, that was uh, one of the places that was at the top of my list. Um, so was Rutgers, Maryland, uh, Florida State. Um, and ultimately, I was, you know, I've decided on Nebraska because I, I could go there as a legacy. There's a little bit of a scholarship there, too. Um, and that's ultimately what uh, what led me out to Nebraska. Now, when did you first realize that being in broadcast sports journalism was an avenue that maybe you would want to pursue as an adult? Well, look, I'm I'm five five. I weigh probably 140 pounds, soaking wet. Uh, so playing sports professionally, the odds were clearly not in my favor. Um, but I always wanted to be involved in some form or fashion uh, with sports and kind of and growing up mostly overseas. I was, you know, I, I moved to Japan actually right after I was born um, until I was three years old. Came back to the states for a couple of years, and then the end of my sixth grade year, um, I moved back uh, overseas, back to Japan. Um, so I always, I, you know, local news, I, I never really had no local news. It was always the, the armed forces network and really sports center reruns. So that's kind of, you know, what I grew up with, you know, was, was Stuart Scott and Kenny Mayne and, and, uh, Sidney Brunson and Linda Cohn. And we, cause of the time difference, they'd always be on tape delay or just like a rerun from the day. So that's always what I kind of just kind of gravitated to was they look like they're having fun every single day. I know they're working, but they just look like they're having so much fun. How can I get involved with that? And that's that's kind of where my passion started. So your first gig was as, and I'm I'm reading your bio here. Your first gig is at a weekend sports anchor position in KNOP in Nebraska. What was that yes. experience like for you? There, it is. It is the second to last market in the United States. I think the, the very last market, the smallest market, is Glendive, Montana. Wow! I have to double check. But there's literally there's there's a road into town and there's a road out to town. But it was one of the best experiences I've ever had because um, you you really learn how to how to do everything out there. I mean, you're shooting your own stuff. You're writing, you know, I mean, you, you write your own stuff. You edit your own stuff. And I had a great mentor in Joe Swift, who I still talk to. You know, everybody always says your first job is, is always is always the best. And hands down, I could not have landed at a better opportunity than out there. You're there for about two and a half years. Then you go to KTIV TV in Iowa. That's quite yep. the change. I'm always interested in the how and why when it comes to guys in your careers. How did you end up there? Uh, actually, you know what? I, I applied for a job and my, my contract um, in the North Platte was up and I was applying everywhere under the sun that, that, I, could, that I could think of that had an opening. And uh, as it turned out, their, their, uh, their weekend guy was leaving and uh, I applied and they brought me out for an interview. And, uh, you know, the, the, the interesting thing, too, about Sioux City is it, it's not just Iowa that they cover. They cover about a third of Nebraska, a little bit of South Dakota, and then uh, maybe a little more than like a third of Iowa, too. Um, so you're really covering three states. You're covering, you know, Iowa, Iowa State, Nebraska, Creighton, South Dakota, um, you know, all, all those Division One programs. And it's also... You know, I'm not too familiar, not too sure if you're familiar with it, but the NAIA is very big in the Midwest and Sioux sure. City is, is kind of like the hub for them. Um, so I covered, you know, national championships with Morningside football and the, and the basketball teams that are out there. 
Um, so it was really, you, you got a great mix of everything out there. And it was, again, one of those opportunities where it was like, it was a new challenge too, especially considering that you're covering three states. So it's not just like, uh, you know, in North Platte, you can be like, oh, you know, we're going to cover Nebraska. That That's going to be the majority of our content, but you've got to make sure you you balance it all out in Sioux City because the, the Cyclone fans will get on you. The Hawkeye fans will get on you. <laughs> the, Huskers, the Husker fans will come after you too if you forget them. <laughs> now, of course, many sports fans in Western New York got to start knowing you in 2014 when you landed at Channel 7. How did the opportunity to work in Buffalo come about for you and was it an easy or a difficult decision at that time to move to Buffalo? It was easy to move to Buffalo. Actually, I didn't even know that there was a there was a job opening. Lisa Polster, who is the news director uh, for us now at Channel Four, uh, I got a I got a phone call from her I, out of the blue. Uh, it was an email, excuse me, out of the blue. Um, she had stumbled upon my uh, my reel online, and uh, she was like, "Are you interested?" I was like, "Heck yeah!" <laughs> well, I'm not going to say no. So they, they flew me out here and I remember flying in, you know, you, you know, the, the stigma of Buffalo is it's cold, it's snowy. You know, it's really all it ever does in Buffalo. I remember flying in and the, not that the landscape was, was similar, obviously Nebraska's flat, um, but flying in, I just got a sense like this uh, could be a, a place where, where I could call home. Fell in love with the place while I was flying in, had a great interview with Lisa and a couple other folks at the station. Uh, Jeff Russo is there and uh, absolutely fell in love with Buffalo from day one. Now, being someone who traveled as much as you did as a kid, you know, being in a military family and stuff like that, I would imagine that going to Buffalo may not have been as much culture shock to you as it may be to someone else who say maybe, you know, just grew up in California or Texas or something like that and lived there all their life. And then, bam, all of a sudden they're in Buffalo. Kind of feel like you were a little bit well-prepared to, you know, to move to Buffalo or anywhere for that matter that you had to go because of all the the moving around and stuff you did as a kid. Yeah. Changes, change is pretty easy for me. It's just, it's one of those things where it's like, all right, what's, what's, what's the next adventure? What's the next challenge? Let's pack up and let's, you know, let's go off on this adventure. Uh, you know, for my wife, uh, my, my wife's, I've been married for seven years now, you know, fortunate enough that, you know, when we got married, we were still close to her family in Nebraska. When we moved to Sioux City, we were still only a couple hours away. But when we moved out here in 2014, she was seven or eight months pregnant, uh, if I remember correctly, with our first uh, with our daughter. Um, and I know her her parents were, uh, you know, they were upset that we were leaving and we were about to start a family and they wanted to be closer, you know, which it, it's always tough. It's, it's never easy. But I think, you know, there's always there's always an adjustment. I just ha- kept having to be like, you know, it'll be OK. We're still we're even though we're not close, you know, we're, we're still close. We have FaceTime. There's the technology. We can all still be connected. Sure. Um, you know, you're 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 plane flight away, essentially. So for me, it's always been like no big deal. But I know, you know, there are some days where it's like tough on my wife. Um, you know, her her family's coming into town this weekend for uh, for our daughter and our son's birthday. And uh, her her dad's been joking. I'm just going to take her back to Nebraska with me so she can be with us for a couple of years again. So it's you know it you know being a, away from family and I and I understand it too. Um, it, it is tough. Like watching my dad. You know we've lived halfway around the world and we've lived you know we've lived in California. The majority of his family's you know in New Jersey. Um, you know when we would see family growing up as a kid with his with his sisters um, and my grandparents, it was always there was always a move involved. There was never really a, we're just going to hop in the car and, 
drive a couple hours and, and go visit your grandparents or go see your aunts and your uncles. It was always like, we have to plan this out because we're probably not going to see them for three or four years, you know, down the road until we're able to connect again. Sure. Now you were at channel seven for a few years. Then in August of last year, kind of made headlines. You left channel seven. You had a very emotional on air goodbye, you know, saying at the time that, you know, you were going to pursue other opportunities outside of Buffalo. A couple of weeks later, it was announced you were joining WIBB TV at Channel 4. I have to imagine that that was a pretty turbulent time in your life. You know, switching jobs, whether it would end up being in Buffalo or anywhere for that matter that you would go next. That's always got to be a turbulent time. Am I wrong? Am I right? No, you're absolutely right. And the other thing, you know, my my wife, again, was also was pregnant with our second child. Um, so job security, you know, there was a there there was a there was there was a lot of nights where I didn't sleep because I was really worried about what was next. And you know, I was lucky enough, you know, Lisa having worked with her at, at Channel Seven, um, you know, she had she had reached out as well as Dom, the the GM and Josh, and said, hey, you know, do you want to, you know, come come back and 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 work with us? And you know, I had a long conversation with my wife, and you know, here here we are now. How much did you? enjoy living in the city of Buffalo playing to that decision to stay in Buffalo, because I'm sure had you not you, if it were not immediately, I'm sure soon after you, you would have had plenty of opportunities to go work in another market. So how much did Buffalo as a city matter to you in terms of wanting to stay there and, and continue to work there? A lot. And I'll give you, I'll give you an interesting backstory too. This is living in Buffalo is the first time uh, where I've actually lived in a place where I've had family. Long story short, my dad, there was a family tragedy uh, you know, with, with my dad's mom when, when he was born, and he was separated from part of his family. And, you know, when we, you know, moved overseas the second time, let's say it was like 98, 98, 99-ish, it was the, the boom of the internet, um, you know, had just kind of started. And he went on this this mission for several years to you know, use the internet to try to connect with some of the family that he really never knew growing up as a kid and being who he was in the military, he was able to kind of use some of his resources and and, and reach out to folks, uh, you know, really kind of all over the place to try to you know find his family and reconnect. And as luck would have it, where where we live in Buffalo, five minutes down the road from us uh, are my dad's cousins, um, and where my sister lives in New Jersey she's literally 15 minutes away from another set of my dad's cousins. And we didn't really find all this out up until probably, I want to say like 2010, 2011, maybe when my dad first started to find pieces of his family. But when we first moved out to Buffalo in 2014, um, my dad had just found out that he had family in Buffalo. So we were able to connect right away and, and get those family relationships. And it's great. Um, cause I'll tell you, like being, being a kid who, who grew up everywhere, you know, have, being able to go to family events with like with your family is something I treasure, ab- absolutely treasure. Um, being able to go to a family Christmas party or a family Thanksgiving, it means the world to me because there were, there were there were always holidays growing up where, you know, my dad would be deployed or he wouldn't be, you know, around for, for birthdays and events. And you know, there was always, you know, we you know, we'd always try to get together as often as we could as a family, but, you know, we weren't ever all together necessarily for holidays. Yeah. Um, so, so being able to connect with family, I mean, what are the odds that, you know, some, you know, my dad's in his fifties that, you know, 50 years after he's born, he's able to, to find 
his family and connect. And we're all able to, you know, get together at events. I mean, it's really special. Yeah, that is. That's really cool, man. It is. That's for sure. What's it like working in the sports department at Channel 4? Now, I've never met Josh Reed, but I did have Jenna Harner on the show a couple of weeks ago, and I loved her. She's fantastic. What's She's it great. like working with those guys? It's it's absolutely amazing. Josh, uh, you know, I worked with another close friend of his, uh, Sean Stepner at Channel 7. Sean and I always used to joke uh, that, that we shared a brain. And working with Josh, it's almost like working with Sean all over again. I mean, we're all on the same page. We all know what we have to do. We're all working towards the same goal. Um, and not just working with Josh, but Scott Swenson, who's our photographer, is literally one of the best people I've ever met. He's he's knowledgeable about everything and anything. It's a it's a fun group to be around. We have a lot of fun, but we also are all willing to roll up our sleeves and get dirty and, and, and do some some hard, tough work. Sure. Let's talk some sports media for a few minutes here. I'm sure there's plenty of cool things, but what would you consider the coolest part of your job? The coolest part of my job. Yeah, oh yeah. man. The coolest part of my job. I'd say I'd say I'd say being able to be in the locker room. Um, I feel like, you know, be, being able to be in the locker room and talk to guys either on camera or off camera, you you learn a lot about them. Like I feel like a lot of times with athletes, you, you see them on Sports Center or even on the local news here, it's like Oh, they're getting paid $10 million. What are they, what are they griping about? Everybody has their own struggles and their own things that they go through. And sometimes it's just nice to, you know, see a guy in the locker room who will recognize me. Hey, what's going on, man? How are you? I think, I think that's, that's one of the cool things that maybe not a lot of people who aren't, who don't have the access to the locker room get to experience. I mean, we're all, we're all human beings. I have a job. The guys in the locker room have a job. At the end of the day, we all put our socks on put our pants on the same way and breathe the same air. Sure. This is a question I like to ask a lot of my sports media guests. Who would you consider the toughest athlete that you've ever had to deal with? Now I'm not necessarily saying this person's the biggest jerk or the worst human being. I'm just saying the most difficult. The most difficult, man. I don't really know if there's ever been a guy who like I've experienced in my, in my time in Buffalo, who has ever been like the most difficult. I will uh, I'd say, I'd say going back to covering Nebraska, Bo Pelini was always like one of those coaches where you, you knew if you asked a question and he didn't like it, he, he would give it to you. And he'd let, you know, he yelled at me at a press conference once really? uh, or kind of, kind of barked at me because I, it was during the big 12 championship. I think when they played Oklahoma, I had asked a question and he just, he just kind of started barking at me. And I was like, well, I didn't expect, <laughs> didn't expect that. Uh, but he, he kind of barked at everybody anyway. <laughs> um, but uh, I'd say he'd probably rank up there as, as uh, one of the toughest to have to, to have to deal with. I'm with Nick Filipowski from channel four. Nick, what are your thoughts on all the craziness going on in 2018 with the Buffalo sports media, particularly on the print digital side? I mean, you had the Buffalo news imploding for a little while there, you got the athletic now. They got a big, strong presence in Buffalo. You got Bucky and Sully trying to do their own thing with the website and a daily radio show. It's a pretty crazy turn of events over, say, just a year or so ago, isn't it? Yeah, it, it is. But you have to, like, the, the landscape has changed so dramatically, even from, you know, when I graduated in, in 2009 from Nebraska, the first station that I went to, KNOP, when I got there, they had just switched to laptops and nonlinear editing. So they weren't going tape to tape anymore. 
Um, and I was like the first hire that they had who, who didn't have to learn how to edit tape to tape. Because in, in college, it was always there was always a push for new media. And this is how, you know, the, things are going um, and, and kind of. And I also started to uh, working at the newspaper at Nebraska, the Daily Nebraskan. And I actually helped kind of, you know, streamline our digital content with, you know, with videos as well and trying to put together packages and write so that you had you had both you know the video aspect and the web aspect so i've always it's always you know there's always something new i feel like every day um but tv stations are are trying to match you know what what newspapers do in terms of online written content um and still produce newscasts and videos that people can click and watch so it's it's a it's a delicate balance that I think you, you try to find, but there's every day it's like something new is, is, is changing with the industry. And it's, it's either you adapt or you die. Right. Uh, and, it, and it's very important to, to recognize the bigger picture and say, well, I can't just, you can't just be the guy on TV who's going to, you know, talk for three minutes. You have to be able to, you have to be able to do that, but you also have to be able to do, you know, the, the writing side of it as well. And the editing side, um, and, and all the digital stuff that, that goes with it. Now, there's a couple people in the sports media locally. There's no love lost, and it's no secret either. I mean, anyone who has a Twitter account can see some of the squabbles that have went on over recent months. But generally speaking here, this is a general question here. How do you feel the relationship is amongst Buffalo sports media people? Like, Do you think there's a lot of good relationships out there, or do you think it's a little bit salty in general? I think it's I think it's generally good for the most part. I mean, some I mean, Twitter is kind of one of those give and take type deals between all like we all everybody kind of razzes each other. Sure. Um, but I mean, we, we're all in the same space. You know, we're all in the press box together. We're in the meeting rooms together when we do the press conferences. I mean, we're all everybody's civil. There's no there's no outward like somebody walks into a room and all of a sudden you know, all heck breaks loose or anything like that. I mean, there's definitely some ribbing that goes on. And sometimes you see it on Twitter and you're like, oh man, here we go again. But then it's also like almost like a point in social media where you're like, man, they're going at each other. Every Just keep refreshing, keep refreshing. Keep yeah, refreshing. it's like wrestling sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It <laughs> is. But I mean, every, I mean, we all love each other. We all, I mean, everybody kind of hangs out together. Every, you know, we're all, we're all friends. <laughs> I think that you're good at being entertaining without letting the trolls which let's let's just face it, man. Anyone in the sports media has trolls. You know, you don't let them get the better of you. So it seems to me anyway. How do you feel about social media, particularly Twitter? In today's day and age, and I'm sure you know this, it's very important to be active on social yeah. media to help get your word out, to help get your work out. Yeah, that's, I'll, I'll be the first one to admit there's a lot of tweets I delete <laughs> when, when it comes to... <laughs> When it comes to the, the people who are just kind of going at you, and it's just like the same people who kind of just you, they pop up, and you're like, ah, I know, I know who this is. Yep. Here it comes, give it to me. Uh, there's a lot. I'm not gonna lie. There's a lot of tweets I delete where I'm like, man, it's probably gonna get me in trouble. I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be the uh, the media guy who makes headlines for going after you know somebody behind a, an, an eggshell on Twitter. But uh, you know, it, it is a delicate balance. I mean. Part of it is to, I mean, you got to inform people, but you also have, you know, you also have to have fun with it. And I try to find, you know, a nice, healthy balance of, you know, giving my opinion and, and kind of being critical uh, when when it's, you know, when I feel it's warranted, 
but you get, you gotta have, you gotta have fun with it. Cause if you're not having fun with it, you're just kind of wasting away on social media. I think, and the more, the more fun you have with it, I think the more, the more engaging it is for your followers and followers of other people who are like, Oh, this looks like an entertaining guy to follow. Let's, you know, let's follow him and, and, and see what he can bring. So it's, it's, it's nice. What advice would you have for some teenager out there right now that may be listening to this episode and they want to grow up and they want to become a sports reporter? What's the best advice you can give them? Read and write as much as you can. Growing up as a kid, I hated reading and I hated writing. But as soon as I got to college, uh, it was like a, it was like a whole new I, I wanted to consume everything as fast as I could, as much as I could. I wanted to write as much as I could, which is why I joined the student newspaper. Um, cause I, I kind of understood like you can't just, you know, you can't just show up for a job and think, you know, you're, you're going to know it all and you're going to know how to do everything. You've really got to be able to hone your craft. Before we wind down, Nick, I'd be remiss if I didn't toss at least one Bills question in there. How do you like Buffalo's chances Sunday in Houston? How do I like their chances in Houston? I like them a lot. To be honest, I like them a lot. Um, I think this team is, you know, it's interesting going back to the win over the Titans. Kyle Williams said something interesting in the locker room about this team needing to find their identity. Their identity, especially on offense, um, involves LaShawn McCoy. I know there's all the trade talk that's out there, but their identity is run the ball, make things easy on Josh Allen. And on the defensive side, I mean, they've got young guys that continue to show up on on Sunday and ball out. I mean, Taron Johnson has played great. The rookie out of Weber State. Yeah. Uh, Matt Milano, the second-year wide receiver, he's always around the ball. Tremaine Edmonds, who they also drafted in the first round, um, has been great. The secondary continues to, to make plays as well. Um, and being able to go down to Houston, I think the, the, they'll be all right. I mean, Deshaun Watson is banged up a little bit. You know, the, the defensive line for the Bills has kind of refound that magic to, to get pressure on the quarterback. And I think if they can get to Deshaun, hit him enough and make him uncomfortable, as long as DeAndre Hopkins doesn't go all video game mode and have some lights out performance, I, I think they come away with a win on Sunday. Hmm. Interesting. All right. Here's what I want to do. I'm going to end this the same way I always do. I have a mini lightning round. What I'm going to do is ask you a handful of random questions. Not a lot of deep thought required. Whatever the first thing that pops in your mind, just spit that out, man. That's your answer. You cool with that? Yeah. All right. Favorite all-time athlete whose name's not Tony Gwynn? All-time athlete whose name is not Tony Gwynn, I'd say LeBron James. Okay. Favorite non-sports related activity to do? Uh, I was a Lego guy up until I really had kids. I was still like the, the Lego guy. I'd go buy the, uh, the Legos from Toys R Us and, and just kind of uh, kind of spend some time having some fun there. That's cool. This probably is going to be hard for you because there's so many of them for someone who's moved around as much as you were traveled. Favorite city to visit? Oh, favorite city to visit. You know, I would say, to be honest, probably Tokyo. Tokyo or... I would say Hiroshima. I've been to Hiroshima three times. And every time I've been there as a kid um, through high school, I always learn something new about history. And I, ha- I have a greater appreciation for, you know, what 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 has transpired um, through history. That's really interesting to me. I think down the road, I might have to have a Nick Filipowski podcast talking nothing about 
except for Japan. I think that would be pretty cool, man. I'm down for it, man. <laughs> Who's the most entertaining fellow sports reporter you know? The most entertaining fellow sports reporter I know. You know what? I would probably say, I would probably say Scott, our photographer. It, it, every day is an adventure with him, and he, he'll he'll make you laugh so hard you can't breathe. And it's every day is so fun with him. What's your favorite sports movie ever? Favorite sports movie ever? I'd probably go The Natural. If you had never gotten involved in broadcast journalism in any capacity, or if you did, and for whatever reason it hadn't worked out for you, what do you think you may have went on to do with your life? Um, I'd probably teach history um, and try to be a, a baseball coach. Okay, that's interesting. Second last question here. If Twitter were to send you a note and say, yo, Nick, you're only allowed to follow one person on Twitter and one person only, one person or one handle, I should say, who would it be and why? Probably be fake Bo Pelini. I don't know if you've ever followed him. No. Uh, but uh, for, for Nebraska fans, he's a must follow. It is so funny because like it's it's not just like Nebraska football that, that he'll, he'll rib on and he'll crack jokes on. I mean, it's like nothing is untouchable. And it is so funny just to watch his feed, especially on Saturdays during college football. It's absolutely incredible. I'm going to have to go check that out. Okay, last question here. You could have three dinner guests from any era, dead or alive, any era. Who you got? I would probably go, oh man, probably go George Washington, I think would be fun. Uh, just from the historical perspective of it, I'd probably go Ali and then probably, probably go Jay-Z. I'll tell you what, man, Muhammad Ali dominates this category, what I have here. Does he really? Yeah, he dominates. It's crazy. That's that's I he probably be on mine too, though. That's cool. Good stuff. All right, guys. Follow Nick on Twitter at news4 underscore Nick. Check out his work at WIBB.com. And of course, if you live in the market, check out his work on TV at Channel 4. Thanks for your time, Nick. This was fun, man. I had a good time. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. Hey, man, if you want to have a podcast specifically on Japan, I'm good for it anytime. Well, I'm gonna hit you up. Sounds good. All right, so we're back for this segment after a couple of weeks off. The running with Joe, with my buddy Joe from New York City. Buffalo wins on Twitter. Been a couple of weeks, Joe. How you been doing, man? What's up? Good, man. I'm I'm very happy we took a sabbatical because we would have been eating. What was the last? I think we spoke after the Chargers game, and it was yep. definitely like a death nil situation. And if we spoke after the Vikings game, it would have been like, oh my god, we were so stupid. What what happened to us? We're dumb. And then after the Green Bay game, it would have been death nil again. And now we're here after the Titans game. And now we're, I guess, in like kind of like, ah, yeah, they they won, but they still suck, you know, kind of, <laughs> you know, world right now. So what's up, man? No, oh, man, I'm good. I'm good. I was able to avoid, thank God, this hurricane that's coming through. We're taping this Wednesday night. We're safe down here. And I'm south of Tampa, north of Tampa. Though the panhandles are getting destroyed. So obviously Jesus. my prayers are out for them, but 
scary Fucking time, man. Eight, we, man. We did have a tornado warning at around 3 o'clock, and it came up on the phone. That was totally unexpected. Got one of those Amber Alerts. That shit was scary as hell. Went through the hurricane last year. It's man, it's just not fun, dude. <laughs> it's yeah, not- I mean, I went, I went through like two hurricanes in, in in Queens and New York City. I forgot the, I forgot the names of them, but the, like the first one didn't do anything, and then the second one fucked up like the Jersey Shore and fucked up part of like the shoreline in Queens. And yeah, it was kind of scary. Like I was like sitting in my apartment, like okay, I think I'm gonna get killed at some point. Uh, hopefully, I don't. I had like, I had like zero food or anything i had beer and that's not hyper like that's all i have in my fridge normally is beer and i'm just like all right i'm ready for this and <laughs> yeah it's it must be fucking scary i think that hurricane's supposed to hit us at some like the the remnants of it like to new york city to get flooding here at some point so can't wait for that so that sucks man that sucks yeah fuck that so let's get back to the bills i do want to hit on a few notable things that happened over this past week start and let's start right here let's start with the talented But until last week, just completely unproductive star running back, LaShawn McCoy. Josh Reed from Channel 4 Buffalo was the first to report. At least to my knowledge, anyway, he was the first to report that Shady's old team, the Philadelphia Eagles, have inquired about trading for him. Which, you know, considering that Ajayi is out for the season with a torn ACL with the Eagles, it does make sense. You can make a case both ways. And maybe we'll hear a case for both ways. But if you're Brandon Bean right now, if you're running the Bills... Are you open to, or maybe even looking to trade LaShawn McCoy right now? Oh, man, that's at first I was like, yes, trade him. Cause what have, what have we always talked about on this podcast since like August? Like there are so many guys that are over 30 that are going to be gone next year. Like we just have always assumed that. And right. shady has been one of those guys. So, Hey, get something for him while you can make sense because if he's going to be gone next year, he's gone. Now, here's where I'm a little bit cautious about dealing with him, and it's all about Josh Allen. Josh Allen is in his rookie year. He is developing right now. At least we're hoping he's going to develop into something special. And I think not having McCoy there hurts his development. And I'm not about to, like, anoint Chris Ivory or Murphy or whoever you got back there as the backups as being, like, the heir apparent to what McCoy is. That's Stop that. Okay, the Bills, they ran a somewhat effectively on on Sunday, but there was a little bit of smoke and mirrors there where their yards per carry between, for the running backs was below four. They just were committed to the run. They ran the ball 400 times, and luckily the Titans were the perfect opponent for that because they couldn't – they had a shitty offense. That, to me, is the biggest the biggest obstacle here. If Derek Anderson or Matt Castle or Nathan Peterman or Tyrod Taylor was the quarterback right now, I would say, fine, goodbye. They're rebuilding. They're going to have younger people there next year, and these are just placeholders for Josh Allen if Josh Allen wasn't playing. But because Josh Allen's playing, I think you have to be very cautious about it. Now, in terms of what I would take for him, if there's if it's a third rounder or fourth maybe, I would you know maybe you get like that fourth rounder that hey it becomes a third rounder if the Eagles make it to like the Super Bowl or something like that then yeah I would do it but if it's like a fifth rounder which again running backs don't get shit when it comes to getting traded they just don't Marshawn Lynch got was a fourth round pick for to Seattle and the guy was 25 years old and, and showed a lot when he was here you know that's a guy like in Shady who's like 30. You know, I can I can't I can't see him getting more than like a fifth rounder, to be honest with you. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. And I think that's gonna be part of the problem if a trade does happen. Which by the way, a lot of times you hear rumors like this and it's easy to dismiss them. 
I would say that it's maybe a 50-50 chance that this does happen. I, I definitely think it's possible, and I also agree with you big time, and I think this is going to really piss off a lot of Bills fans, especially the casual ones who don't really dive into a lot of other factors, and that's this, man. I don't know that they get anything more than a fifth round for them. Getting a fourth would be, to me, that'd be a win, because you got to look at it this way too, okay? If you're Buffalo, or actually if you're Philly, okay, you're trading for a guy who, A, is going to be 31 years old next year, B, is going to have a $9 million cap hit next year, and C, and most importantly, perhaps, that dude is one police finding a way from possibly being suspended, going to jail. Who the hell knows at this point? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You better do your homework and make sure the guy's in the clear because that could change in a blink of an eye, just one report that comes out there. So if you look at it from Brandon Bean's aspect and you consider all those factors, you know, he's probably not here for the long term. Again, 31 years old next year. I don't know if they want him here. I mean, it will be this last year on the deal. It's not like they're committed to him for another five years, but still, and, and yes, cap room is not going to be a problem, but paying the guy $9 million at 31 years old next year, not sure that they want to do that. So if you conclude that he's not going to be part of the future and by future, I mean, even just 2019, and maybe it is a good move to part ways with them now and get something for him as opposed to getting nothing for him. You know, when you cut them well, come February. Yeah. I mean, in terms of the cap, I mean, look, they are a bazillion dollars on the cap next year. So I'm not worried about the cap number that much. I mean, it's not like Terry Pagula is going to say, hey, I don't want to pay him. Like Terry can give his shit. Um, there is a part of me that wonders, hey, what, is you, what, what if you just move him in the offseason? You know, and maybe you can get something for value then. Uh, as for the Eagles, I would I mean, if I'm the Eagles, I would do it. I mean, look, the Eagles, they're so loaded and they they yeah, I agree. are all about the Super Bowl. They got two second rounders. They got a bunch of picks in the top half of the draft. I would say, fuck it. Let's do it. You know, if, if I were there. And, they, and look, McCoy liked it there. They liked him. You know, Chip Kelly is the one that said, fuck you, get out of town. I would totally I would be down if I was like a Philly fan to do this. And I still think he, from seeing him on Sunday and again, I wasn't blown away by him. And I think there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of variables as to why the Bills are struggling with running the football. I think a lot of it has to do with zero respect for the passing game. The offensive line is in flux. You know, that's a big deal. But I saw him make some really good moves. And I do think if he was in an offense like Philadelphia, which, you know, they have Carson Wentz. He's good. They have wide receivers. They're good. They got Jason Peters. They got good offense. They're awesome. Like, he will – I think his game would elevate there way yeah. more than here because here it's – Yeah, it's, they got weapons. Bad, but it, sure. Yeah. Yeah. But, again, to me it goes back – I don't know if – I'll say this real quick. I don't think you, you said like fans may be pissed off. I don't know if they would be pissed off because I think a lot of fans right now, they care about Josh Allen. And I think a majority feel this season is just a complete wash where, hey, they're going to be shitty this year. And, hey, we know we know McCoy is going to be gone at some point. I, I think I and I think that's how. I mean, my Twitter feed, I think, kind of feels that way. When when the McCoy news hit with Josh Reed, I did not see anyone really say, oh, my God, you can't do this. This is horrible. So a lot of people, some who have prominent followers, some with like an egg avatar, you know, say, hey, this makes sense, you know, for him for him to go because he's going to be gone next year and because he's older. And like I said, look, I'm probably in the camp of moving him. But again, it really you have to look at Josh Allen's development. He does. This offense is so horrific right now and i'm not in the i'm not 
in the mindset of, hey, let's give it to Chris Ivory and have him do it all. I mean, this is an injury-prone running back who's gotten hurt the last couple of years, and that, that's worrisome to me. If they had, like, weapons already in place, like, let's just say they had Sammy Watkins or they had another wide receiver or two, and they had, like, a decent – like, they had Carlos Williams or Mike Gazelle, who was – whatever the hell his name was. If they had those guys there, I would say, yeah, fine, do it. But because they are so – it's like the bare cupboards right now with this offense and the skill guys. You have to throw that in because I'm worried about his development. I want him to to at least keep growing and having people that he can count on, you know, and not having like the J, the the JV Buff State varsity team out there at skill positions. Well, I'll tell you what, a couple points there. One, I agree with you 100%. If I'm Philly, I'm all over this. I want McCoy on my team. They're Super Bowl team, straight up. You get LaShawn McCoy mm-hmm. there. They're, I mean, they're literally a Super Bowl defending champion. They're still very good. They're not out of it by any means. McCoy's an upgrade over a Jai, even if he was healthy. And you and Zach Ertz, too, is maybe the best tight end in football right now. So apologies to Gronk fans out there. So if I'm Philly, I'm all over this. If I'm Buffalo, now I mentioned fans getting pissed. I don't think fans would be pissed about McCoy being dealt. I think the average fan would be pissed at what the return would be. I think a lot of people out there... Again, ones who maybe they're not just educated on how these type of trades usually work, but they're thinking, well, maybe we get a second and a third. No, because the guy's a pro bowler. He's a big name. That shit ain't happening. Yeah. Like you said, a four, if they're lucky, I would say a fourth is the best that they're going to do. It would have to be, it's to, for them to get into a third, it would have to be one of those, oh, hey, if we make it to the Super Bowl, yeah. it becomes a third because the third will be like the fucking, will basically be a fourth rounder because it's going to be so late in the draft. Right. Sure, I completely agree. A, definitely a conditional pick. And, you know, I said before about making a case for trading them. You can make a case for keeping them. And you mentioned a lot of the points. You know, let's just say the Bills don't trade them and they keep them and they don't cut them next year. The Bills have all this cap room and they're going to go out and let's just say teams could turn it around in one year, man. You know, now a lot of this would be predicated on Josh Allen growing over the rest of the season and going into year two and being a viable starting quarterback in the league. But let's just say with all that cap room and plus probably, you know, a top 12 pick they'll probably end up with this year. So you're going out, you're signing maybe two offensive linemen, a good wide receiver. You know, you, you have a couple good picks in the draft. All of a sudden, you got a team that might be able to compete for the playoffs in 2019. And at that point, you're like, well, why do we want to get rid of our star running back? Because there's no one else there. If you do get rid of them, if you trade them now, or if you cut them at the end of the season, either or, yeah, you have a lot of cap room. You got a lot of good draft picks, but... You just made another hole on the team. You just added yet another hole that needs to be filled. You're not yeah. trusting. Chris Ivory's not going to be the man. And I know you generally could get a running back in the fourth, fifth round, whatever, or third round, somewhere around that frame. But you know what? That third round pick, you need a tackle and you need a guard and you need a couple receivers and you probably need another cornerback. Maybe you need another linebacker because Lorenzo Alexander's near the end of the road. So, I mean, yes, a lot of holes on this team. And if you get rid of McCoy, you're just adding another one, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, you kind of stole my heat as usual. Uh, I think <laughs> you can get a. I think I think you can get a running back in the fourth round or fifth round. It's 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 just it's facts that like you can find running backs anywhere in the draft, late, undrafted. I'm not worried about him as a whole, like being that big of a hole if he leaves, you know. And again, I'm I'm hoping next year they're going to go balls to the wall with skill guys via free agency, via trades, via everything. And that's where. That's where a trade, again, you know, I'm back and forth a little bit on this, but like you get a fourth rounder for him. 
that fourth rounder can get packaged with like a second rounder for you to trade for an established yep. wide receiver Agreed. for a team that's like you know cap strapped right now or something like that. So yeah. it's a tough one. Again, if it's, it's to me, it goes back to Josh Allen. Again, if Josh Allen was not starting and we were watching Nathan Peterman be like the stunt guy for until Josh Allen comes of age, you know, next year, then I'm like, yeah, fuck it, who cares? Get rid of him. But because it's Josh Allen, because I want him to kind of succeed a little bit and grow and have talented guys around him that he can throw the ball to, or at least rely on, that would be, you know, that's what I want. And and the backups right now, you know, again, Chris Ivory, we were talking about, oh, hey, you know, LaShawn McCoy might not be here next year. I don't even know if Chris Ivory is going to be here next year. I mean, I, I don't, I forgot what his cap. He's got a two-year deal. Yeah, he should yeah, be. Yeah, two-year, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I would assume he's going to be back here, but who knows how long, you know, his shelf life is too. Because again, he's old, he's older too. And he's, I think he's got more wear and tear than Shady because he's such a bruiser and bruiser's you know, running backs who run between the tackles who get hit like he has tend to not have as good of a shelf life as Shady, who's a guy who like kicks to the outside. He goes out of bounds. He's more elusive, whereas Ivory tries to beat the shit out of you, you know, with ground and pound. Yeah, so I agree. Man. It's an, yeah, it's a, I, I think I think what they're going to do is I this is what I would do if I were them. Or actually, I wouldn't do this if I was them, but I think this is what they're going to do. I I think they're going to wait a little bit longer, see how they are going to do the next two games. Cause again, it's Houston, the Colts, they're not exactly juggernauts. I think if they go into those games and they somehow win them, which you never know, it could happen. And they, they go to four and three, they keep, they keep McCoy. If they get, if they go to these games and lose, which I could of course see happening, then they're like, yeah, fuck it. We're just get rid of people right now. I, I think it's, I it. it's a fascinating topic. That's for sure. Cause it could go either way. I could see a case either way where, Neither would surprise me. Now, I want to talk about Josh Allen in a minute. But before that, you mentioned Derek Anderson. I do want to discuss him real quick. The Bills signed him officially anyway on Tuesday. We knew last week through reports that he was coming to Buffalo this week. Tell me why you either love or hate this signing. Uh, I'm ambivalent about it, to be honest with you. He's 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 shitty. I like you know, he's a, I mean, I don't I mean, whatever. I don't I don't really care about it, to be honest. with you. I mean, I'll give you some hot takes. I think, look. Derek Anderson has always been shitty. He's basically Matt Castle. He had one good year, and then he's been completely shitty ever since. Uh, he's a veteran guy. He's probably what they should have probably gone for in the offseason. And if he's going to be like that mentor guy or the guy that's going to lead by example and help Josh, you know, Josh Allen out, fine. Like, you know, I don't I don't know. I don't I didn't Google like Josh Allen or I didn't Google like Cam Newton. Derek Anderson to see if there's any pieces about, oh, Cam saying, oh, yeah, he's been a great influence on me, blah, blah, blah. Because that's where he was been. That's where he was basically a mentor to him, you know, and I haven't found anything like that. But, yeah, you know, it's a it's a veteran move. And I don't know. I mean, I hope he doesn't see the field. That's the one the one thing I'm worried about, because, again, he is very shitty. He has been shitty for almost yeah, 10 years. I agree about that. I don't want him to see the field either. Don't tell John Clayton that, though. He was on WGR saying that. He thinks if after he gets up to speed, he's going to be starting on the yeah. team. I think John, John Clayton's high as hell. But I do John like Clayton the doesn't even, a lot. Yo, real sidebar. John Clayton, I think, doesn't even think about the Bills until he's like two minutes away from getting on WGR. Yeah. I've heard him say takes before where I'm like, do you even like Google the Bills? Or you just go in and you're just like, yeah, hey, I'm, I'm going to win. And yeah, I, I, I heard that same thing that he thinks he should play within a couple of weeks. I'm like, no, fuck that. Let's not have an EJ Manuel jp lossman benching fiasco because if that happens i'm not watching games this year and you could find another host on co-host on this damn segment anyway go ahead <laughs> but i do like the signing though and i like it for the reasons 
that have been reported, man. I think it's important when you got a quarterback like Josh Allen, even if Derek Anderson never sees the field, which I hope he doesn't, and I don't think he will. I, you know, I still think he brings value to Josh Allen. Just being on the sideline, being in the locker room, in film study, and team meetings, and all that kind of shit. Because, I, I mean, you, you see a kid like Josh Allen, and I think he needs a mentor. And you know what? Nate Peterman is not a mentor. He's only a year yes. older than the guy, man, or at least, you know, in terms yeah. of experience in the league. So for those reasons alone, I really do like deciding. Yeah, it's exactly. Look, it's 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 quarterback rookie one one. You should have a veteran guy, no matter how shitty he is, that has had starts in this league. And that's they didn't do that for whatever reason. You know, maybe it was supposed to be AJ McCarron. Maybe they had they were too confident in Nathan Peterman. Who the fuck knows? Where do you fall right now when it comes to Josh Allen? This is a very hot topic discussion with Bills fans. Do you feel like he's better off out there learning on the fly? Or do you think he's better off if he were to sit on the sidelines, whether it was for Peterman or maybe a Derek Anderson, and learn the game from watching because, you know, maybe he's going to develop some really bad habits? What's your take right now? Because it's a very hot topic discussion for sure. Yeah, it's super weird because it's like, you know, sometimes with the NFL, you always want to see examples of where this worked by doing this from other teams. I have not, I cannot think of many situations where a first round rookie got the nod and then they benched him afterwards. That hardly ever happens, except here, which it happened with JP Lossman and EJ Manuel, which is, su- I mean, they, they weren't rookies, but they were like touted as like, oh, these are the guys, the franchise guys. And EJ got benched 14 games into his career. And uh, JP got benched four games into his his like starting career, you know, when in 2005, if I if there was like situations where I could say, oh, hey, you know what? Donovan McNabb sucked and then he got benched and then they brought him back and now and he then became great. There are zero examples of that. And it's just one of those things to me that there's not that teams don't do that. They when they when they you can't be half pregnant when you're pregnant with the comes to the quarterback's position. That's it. It's over. He has to stay there until he has a baby. I think it would be su- it would look super super bad for them to have Derek Anderson going there for him. I would just keep going, keep going down this road. I'll tell you what, even though the Bills are only sitting at two and three, and obviously they're going nowhere this year, it's still been a pretty interesting season, and that's because of stuff like this with Lashawn McCoy about him maybe getting traded or maybe he stays here. And a good debate about Josh Allen, if it's better off for him to be playing or sitting right now. That's interesting shit to me. I want to switch gears real quick here, okay? Drew Brees on Monday night broke the all-time passing yards mark set by Peyton Manning. That's really cool stuff. And he's going down as one of the best quarterbacks ever. Let me ask you this, though. If you were to put together a Mount Rushmore of quarterbacks, would Drew Brees be on yours? Man, that is such a tough question. It is. <laughs> and when you when you sent me the list, like a rundown of, hey, we're going to talk about this. What do you think about Drew Brees? I'm like, man, it's it's tough because the eras that we have watched, you and I, you know, we're both near the same age bracket. And like, you know, defenses are so different now than back in the day, back in the Jim Kelly days. Like if Jim Kelly was playing right now, Jim Kelly would have 5,000 yards passing every year, probably. Same with Dan Marino, Montana. It is so it is so much easier nowadays to pass than ever before because of the rules, because it's just more spread formations, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I'm putting I, I'm gonna put him on my Rushmore. I'm gonna tell you why. He, for most of his career, 
has not had like an elite wide receiver. You know, Marcus Colston was a pretty good wide receiver, but he wasn't like Randy Moss. He wasn't Marvin Harrison. I don't think there's any skill guy that, that Brees has played with that's going to the Hall of Fame. If I mean, maybe you remember off the top of your head, but I don't. There's not, not there's not, you know, a running back that he had prior to, you know, Kamara's been really good. But like even before that, like he has made chicken shit into chicken salad with these wide receivers, you know, for the most part. He makes them good. My rod much more right now, if you're putting me on the spot, is this. Are you ready? It's Brady, it's Breeze, it's Manning, and uh, Elway. There you go. I'm going to go Brady, Montana, Elway. And after this, you know what? I think I would put Breeze on there at four. I think you make a good point. I got Peyton Manning and Brett Favre right there, too. But I agree with your point. I think that Breeze has done more with less talented receivers than either of them. So, yeah, man, you know what? I'm going to put Breeze as that fourth on there. I didn't think I was going to, but, yeah, I'm going to. All right, Joe, so I want to end our segment the same way that we usually do. Now, typically, we end it with a little WWE talk. Going to skip that. We'll do that next week, kind of out of time here. But instead of having a last take, I like to call your last take your finisher. So having said that, what do you got? What's your finisher for the week? Nine and 17, Pat. That is the record the Bills have had since 2003 when they passed for less than 100 yards. So they have had 26 games of that, nine wins. And one of those wins happens to be what we just went through on Sunday. And of course, we get this influx of one part of the fan base, it feels like, or even like parts of the media are like, hey, take a win. That's what this game is all about. It's all about winning versus, well, the quarterback sucked. They won it in a way that isn't exactly supposed to be a long-term vision of the team, like how you win in today's NFL. And let me just say, like, I'm so sick and tired of this hot take, Skip Bayless, zero nuance discussion narrative that happens on Twitter and it happens in Buffalo fucking sports. I will be, I would bet that all the, that those nine wins that have happened since 2003 after the game, it was the same shit where it's like, take a win. It's great versus God damn it, pal. Why are we need a quarterback? It's 2012. We need a quarterback who's going to be good. Blah, blah, blah. And after a while, it's just like, you know what? You can be happy that the bills won and also say, Hey, the quarterback needs to be freaking better. And that's where I'm at. Like, would I rather have Josh Allen pass for 350 yards and than a, a, over a, a win? Yes, I will take that right now because you have to look at the overall picture, which is this team is going nowhere as of right now. And I'm not here to besmirch those who are happy after a win and go through flaming tables or have shots at the big tree or you know, tweet Bills Mafia, whatever. That's great. You do you. I'm going to do me and don't come into my lane and tell me that I'm a shitty fan. And I won't come into your lane and say, this doesn't mean dick. At the end of the day, it's all about your own vision. And again, nuances, people, you can feel both ways. 2018 sports takes nuances, make America great again, make nuances great again. I mean, (laughs)
All right, that'll do it for this episode. Big thank you once again to Nick Filipowski from Channel 4. That was a good time. It was good to get to know him. Also, thanks as well as always to Joe. Joe from New York City. Buffalo wins for doing the running with Joe with me. That was good talk about LaShawn McCoy and Josh Allen. I enjoyed that. Guys, if you haven't done so already, will you please, 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 please go to iTunes or Apple Podcasts, whatever you want to call it nowadays, subscribe to this podcast. It is completely free, it's quick, and it's easy. All you got to do is subscribe. Bam. New episodes automatically get sent right to your phone and to your laptop. Keep them. Play them and then delete them after. It doesn't matter. Whatever you want to do, that's cool. If you don't have iTunes, you can also catch us on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, pretty much anywhere future or award-winning podcasts are heard. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at PamaranTweets. Ending this podcast today, and this is something that I'm going to start doing every episode, or at least I should say every opportunity that I get to end an episode going to play some local music, music that is done by somebody from the Buffalo, New York area. Today, I have Caitlin Cook. Many of you will recognize her. She has been on X Factor USA, featuring Simon Cowell, of course. She sings annually downtown at the New Year's Eve Gala. She has sang the National Anthem at the Buffalo Bills games countless times. Very popular person. Very talented. Love Caitlin Cook. You know what? In fact, I'm going to get her on a future episode. Chat her up on here a little bit. Anyway, this song is called Welcome Back. You can go check out all of her music at CaitlinCook.com. I'm going to put that in the show notes. Enjoy. Talk to you guys again next Tuesday. Oh, hey.